0: If you turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians, Uh, still in chapter 1. We had a a great message last week from uh, Scott LaRue sharing about his mission and uh, the lives that uh, he's touched, uh, but also what God's doing around the world to to bring the gospel, the good news, uh, into a lost and hurting world. Uh, to uh, especially for Scott to be bringing the the message of Christ into the Muslim predominantly Muslim nations and reaching a lost people uh, so i 'm I'm grateful that we uh, have the opportunity to hear from him. Uh, if you could uh, do me just a little favor, um, I did this with the high school uh, students last week. I had them write down on a piece of paper, and it helped them engage and have a little more participation so Keep you awake and studious this morning. I'm going to have a little homework assignment for you. Just a simple question. I have to take out a pen or paper, or you can even write it on your phone, but I can't, you know, you might get distracted on your phone. I've never, but you might. But just write it down somewhere and just keep your answer somewhere. Uh, And the simple question is What is the gospel? If you're sitting, uh, sitting, in the car with somebody that you're just meeting, and you ask you know they ask you the question, "What is the gospel?" and maybe you need a whole paragraph or a big area, um, but just in one sentence, what would you say the gospel is and so just go ahead and keep that down, and that's fine. I'm going to read a story to you out of John chapter ten while you're thinking about that. In John chapter 10, verse 22, then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews were gathered there around saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. Again, his Jewish opponents, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus says to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you wish to stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, it is, not, uh, it is, is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside What about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my father but if I do them even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. When I think about preaching, this uh, it's really kind of a weird thing. Every, every week I get the opportunity to do this, and I'm a little perplexed by the matter. Um, if you knew the type of student I was, along with Tim, uh, you know, you'd realize there was a lot of pictures drawn during theology class. I think better with pictures. Uh, at least that's what I told my professor. Uh, but what is, what is this, this task of preaching and listening? What is it that we are trying to get out of this moment together? And I've heard a lot of definitions about preaching But this is kind of how I think about it. I want to help people grasp who Jesus is. And I feel like every moment in our walk together as people in this world, there is something that we fundamentally need to know and understand. And it's that we need to grasp and seize Jesus Christ and cling to him for our dear life. And I think that sometimes along the way, and we've structured it to periodically, once a week, we have this moment to encourage one another along. And say, grasp onto Jesus and clasp onto him him a a little more tightly each and every Sunday. I think that's just part of it. But every day that we would understand and cling to Christ and know who he is and know his love for us and know that he is demanding of us our devotion, our full surrender, our full commitment. I was really challenged by a a book in the last couple of weeks that I've been looking at and uh, it's by Francis Chan. It's called Letters to the Church. And he's kind of throwing a hand grenade in what I thought church was. And one of the things he talked about is after spending a lot of time uh, in, e- in uh, the Eastern world uh, around India and in Iraq and Iran, what he discovered about the Christianity there was is that for them to come to Christ at the onset, at the onset of saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, they have to surrender everything. They have to surrender their homes, their possessions. They have to be willing to surrender their very lives to say that I'm going to follow Christ. And he said, what I've noticed in Western society is that we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out how to surrender to Christ. And I'm really challenged by that because it's like, hold on, where do I fit in all this? Have I really surrendered everything to follow christ or am i just sort of on the fence and we call it sanctification it's the sort of story of us becoming what we're supposed to be in fully uh... fully committing our lives to christ and so a lot of this is just a sort of inner torment of am i fully surrendered to christ and have i given him my life christians for the generations have faced challenges they face challenges about whether or not they're going to give their full undying loyalty to Jesus Christ or not. And the Colossian church is really no different. What they're looking for is a clear uh, a clear understanding of who Christ is and how they're going to stay loyal and faithful to him. And they have this sort of ongoing wrestling match, one in which there are people adding on and adding to their theology adding more to what it means to follow Jesus. And so Paul, very simply, his strategy for sort of cutting through all of this nonsense is to give a picture of the gospel. It is to give a picture of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. I have a very very simple sort of way of making wading through theological nonsense. And... I know that you hear all sorts of things about, uh, about Jesus every day, actually. You're influenced by what you think about God, and theology is always going on, whether you realize it or not. And one of the things that I do is I ask a simple question. Does this lift Jesus, or does it lower him? Does it elevate Jesus as Christ and Lord and King, or does it diminish these qualities about who he is? And if there is any hint of diminishing the lordship, the kingship, and the supremacy of Christ, then I I reject that theology as something that God has revealed as truthful and good. When you're wrestling with what people are saying about God, it's a simple question to say. Are they lifting Jesus up or are they lowering him? And that helps you wade through all the nonsense of our world. And I'm now I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. And here's what I simply just want to say. Paul is trying to point out to us a beautiful picture of Christ. And our text this morning is a poem that they would have used to sort of help navigate a world that was filled with so many things that we're looking to lower and diminish who Christ is, and you think about how important it is to you that you have the proper view of who Christ is. If you were trying to travel by sea and you were in the in the night and the clouds were covering the stars, and the only thing that you had going for you was that there was a lighthouse ahead. How important is that lighthouse to you to navigate home and to arrive safely? And friends, it is so vital for us to look ahead and see the true picture of who Christ is if we're going to keep moving forward and walking faithfully with him. We want to get so bogged down with all of these other distractions. We live in a society that keeps on adding to what it means to be a good person, keep on adding these sort of ideas of what it means to follow Christ. And I simply want to know, Who is this Christ that I'm following? And do I love him and do I seek him with my whole life and my whole heart? Have I surrendered everything to him? And so our text this morning, I think we're almost ready to read it, is in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 13. And I know that the big bold part comes at 15. But we added that, not Jesus. In verse 13 it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're going to pause there for a moment. I'm going to ask you to take a look at what you wrote on your piece of paper. Does it have any of those components to it? Maybe you wrote, uh, the gospel is good news, and you're right. The gospel is good news. Good news and gospel are synonymous, synonymous, whatever. I won't say it again. Maybe you wrote John 3.16. We sang a beautiful song this morning already. John 3.16 certainly is the gospel. Did anybody write that Jesus loves me? Anybody write that down? Nobody? Anybody write Jesus coming, forgiving you of sins? Is anybody raising their hands today? Um, what, can, all right. This was to, you know, and get more participation, you know. But did it include this? That Jesus is God's son? Did it include his kingdom? That you are brought into his kingdom? And did it include that you have been reconciled and forgiven of your sins? If you want a picture of the gospel it includes that we have been redeemed and forgiven and reconciled but it also includes that we have life in the kingdom of God and the hope is is that when we grasp Jesus we would understand our forgiveness but we would also forget or we would also understand our faithfulness that our forgiveness invites us into the way of God and into his kingdom and that then we are pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and we enter into the kingdom of light and we walk obediently with him, and we live for him. If you're looking for a succinct phrase of the gospel, I see it right there, that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into his kingdom of the Son he loves, Jesus Christ, and we have been redeemed and forgiven of our sins. If you were ever asked the question, what is the gospel, I think that's a great picture of it. And then I think Paul, he outlines it from here. Let's continue in our text. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Does Paul lift Jesus or lower Jesus? This is good theology because it makes much of Jesus Christ. It says he is the firstborn over all creation. He's not firstborn like, He was like the firstborn. It's a title. Just as uh, Oliver is my firstborn son, it is his title. And so he gets all of my riches. Uh, Yeah, there you go. You guys are awake this morning. That's good. It's a title of his authority. And he goes on to lift him up even further. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, was the Word, and the Word was with God. All things are under His reign, under His rule. All authorities and all powers, they are all under Christ. He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. If there's one particular phrase that I have needed uh, over the past several weeks, it has been that all things have... Been created through him and before him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When we are, have you ever had a frazzled moment in your life? You know, not just driving down the highway and you're like, man, it seems like the whole thing's going apart. Kind of like this morning for me already. I feel like I'm like totally messing everything up. And uh, we have those moments and we have those seasons in our lives. Um, I would say that there was uh, several years of build-up of not recognizing this simple truth. Several years of ministering like everything was riding on my shoulders. Everything was riding on me, not looking to my leadership, not looking to you, not sharing in this together, but just saying, okay, this is, if this is going to hold together, it's going to hold together because I do it. And I hope that you recognize especially the arrogance of that. Now that was when I was in my 20s. Now I'm 35. And I'm so much wiser for it. right? Um, I think that that's the result of any of the gray hair that has uh, resulted in my life. It's because I had overstressed about trying to make sure everything was held together. And there is a special freedom in knowing as Christians that in the kingdom of God, we fundamentally believe that Jesus Christ is the one who is holding all things together. And for the people who do not know that Jesus is holding all things together and you take a look at their lives, they are having a difficult time of keeping things together. But for those who do, who walk in the kingdom of light, we look and we know and we trust that Jesus Christ is holding us together. And it's not through any one particular person. It is through the one in whom all things is created. And it's with that trust that we can go forward and we can know that God is the one who holds us. God is the one who is protecting us. God is the one who is with His people. He's the one holding us together and it says as much in the in the following part it says it says and he is the head of the body the church and he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy that in every way Jesus might be first in our lives and walking with him it says that he is the head of the church he's the one who's leading us and I'm the one who really just gets the privilege of loving people spending time with you and I get to preach his word I got the best job ever, and I, and I love it, and I love you. And so thank you for letting me get to preach and encourage you and hopefully help you grasp a little bit more and a little more tightly to the dear life that you have in Jesus Christ. And what Paul wants us to do is always look heavenward and look towards Christ and see him clearly for all of his supremacy, for all of his goodness, and all that he does so that we can trust and know that He's the one who's holding us together. And it's not just riding on circumstances, it's riding on Christ. I have a phenomenally bad idea cooking around in my head. Lots of them, you know, you got to wade through all of them. This one might be the worst idea of them all. The idea would be, uh, that I would reach out to all of my friends on Facebook who are uh, who are anti vaxxers and then also reach out to all of those who believe in vaccinations, and then bring them all into one room. And then, and if that's not enough, get all of my friends on Facebook who uh, who share all of their love for Trump, and then get uh, another group of people. Uh, who don't love Trump, and bring them all into one room. And what else should we add in there? Anybody? And, uh, yeah, bring Somebody said Hillary. That's hilarious. That was Sam. Nice one, buddy. Well-timed. Yeah, and then to throw the hand grenade in. Let's put Hillary in there. We need a bigger room. Right? That's a terrible idea. But guess what? It li- literally happens every sun, well not the Hillary part, but it literally happens every Sunday. Because because there are people who believe in any sort of worldview that they want to, but there is one worldview in which we have united together, and that is that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and his leadership is greater than any opinions about how we might have our government run, or what we, how we raise our children, or any of those million things that the world seeks to divide us on. The thing that holds us together, because all things are held together by him, is Jesus Christ. And so we can have differences of opinions and we can you know, not ever talk about those things when we're in the sacred confines of this room, right? And even, even if we did, we can know that there is something greater that's unifying all of us and it's because we were lowered into the baptism waters and we came out new people in Jesus Christ. And we belong to the one who is the firstborn all over a new creation and his name is Christ and he is our head and he is our Lord and he's the one we live for. And so the question then comes back to this whole thing that I wrestle with every day and all of us wrestle with in, have I surrendered to him? Is he truly the head of, of our church? Is he the head of my life? Is he the one in whom I trust and find my life and my hope? Do I believe in this gospel? That Jesus is Lord, that he reigns supreme, he is King of kings and Lord of lords, And I'm a part of his kingdom because he has redeemed and saved me. This is each and every one of our stories. If we would not be the people in John 10 who listen to it and they don't grasp it and they're ready to reject Jesus. They're trying to grasp him, to seize him so that they can do away with him. And I'm telling you and I'm inviting you to grasp him and seize him so that you can worship him. You can give him your life. So Paul, he's not done. He tells us our story. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul tells us just what to do. He says, this is the gospel and this is the thing that we've heard and this is the thing that we cling on to. And he simply says, and this is the message of which I've become a servant to. It's this gospel that I've become subject to. I spend the rest of my life, for Paul, he says, I spend the rest of my life proclaiming this good news and living this out and not giving up on this hope and holding fast and staying firm in the faith, he says, under this good news that I've heard and now with all my heart I want to obey. So, friends, I simply want to ask you, have you surrendered to Christ? Is he foremost in every aspect, in every way? In who you are and what you're doing? And I asked you about good theology. I was kind of being a little nerdy there. But here's a good life lesson. Good theology is to make sure that it's lifting up Christ. And here's a good life. A good life is one that lifts Jesus Christ as Lord and King. And friends, I invite you to a good life. To love God. To love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And friends, if you've never made that commitment, we'd love to have you be a part of this journey together. And we're in in a Western culture. We won't ask you to sell your car and give up your home, though we should. We'll figure that out later. But really, he's asking for your whole heart and everything you are. Would you give your life to Christ? And if you've done that a long time ago, then I would simply ask you to remember that commitment. Will you lift Christ up with your life? And live a good life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we ask for forgiveness for the times where we don't stand for Christ. We ask for forgiveness for the times that maybe our lives diminish Him and don't appreciate all that you've done. God, we pray for your help. We pray for your forgiveness and your love and your guidance. That you would help us as your children to walk faithfully with you. We thank you, truly, that you are the one that holds all things together. And that because you are the firstborn of the new creation, we can trust you as we live in this new creation and we embrace a new hope for a new life. God, your word tells us that if we love you and we follow you and give you our life, that you will give us eternal life, life in your kingdom, redeemed and forgiven so God, we want to trust in you and we turn our lives to you. Help us to live a good life today. One where we lift up Jesus Christ as our Lord and our King. And we lift him high above everything else. For Christ is above all and through all and in all. It's in his wonderful name that we pray. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I want to share with you from the book of Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the names he has inherited is superior to theirs. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is the good news. A son who has redeemed and saved you and invited you into life in his kingdom. Will you stand with us and sing, please?